Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. This is going to be huge. Welcome. You are locked on the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com. And I am here flying solo tonight on the Locked On Mavericks podcast. Isaac is doing something else tonight. He was busy. It was a little last minute for me to find a guest. I waited a little too long. So I just decided to go solo tonight with you guys. So thanks for joining us on it. If, As always, if you can, subscribe on iTunes, uh, other places as well. Continue to subscribe, rate, and review. We really appreciate it. Follow us. I'm at Nick Van Exit. Isaac, when he normally is on this podcast, is at Isaac Harris NBA. Follow us. Continue to check our sites, Mavs Moneyball, as well as Smoking Cuban. Got a really good partnership with the two of us promoting those two sites. Really good stuff on both of them. But today, we're going to talk about a couple things. I want to do a Kobe challenge for every single Maverick. And so we are going to do that a little bit later. I will explain what a Kobe challenge is if some of you don't know what it is. And then first, though, I would like to speak about and I would like to speak to something that Dirk said recently when he went on Sirius XM NBA. He had some quotes about loyalty and about where the NBA is going. And I wanted to talk about loyalty and I wanted to write about it a little bit, but there hasn't really been a reason to besides just the fact that Dirk is loyal. (laughs) So this is a good reason for us to talk about loyalty, especially after the Kyrie Irving, Isaiah Thomas trade. So let's listen to Dirk's quote and then we will discuss it. I think I'm old school. Uh, You know, some of these guys that are now stars are obviously younger and, you know, the business has changed a bit, but, uh, you know, I never knew what to expect when I came to Dallas, but everything just came together here. You know, the the way when I got here, the, the community kind of, you know, embraced me and, and wanted me to succeed. And then, and then Cuban buying the team uh, and by the end of my second team, second year was a huge part while why I was here my entire career. He was a huge supporter of mine. Uh, he's a he's a friend of mine. Uh, he always supported me on and off the floor, and so I was um, I was here. I, I belong to this community, and for me it was always always easy to to be loyal. But I understand uh, the new NBA is a little different. It's about it's about making money. It's about you know winning, uh, and and not as much about uh, being loyal anymore. The big quote that's going to come out of that, and that already I'm seeing aggregated on a lot of sites, is the quote that says. The new NBA is a little different. It's about making money and winning and not as much about being loyal anymore. So I wanted to speak to that because the Isaiah Thomas-Kyrie Irving trade was was massive for this. This was just a, a huge example of how loyalty plays a part in the NBA or how it doesn't play a part anymore. Because a lot of times it's just players that get called not loyal. LeBron leaving Cleveland. Kevin Durant leaving Oklahoma City. You hear these guys that, you know, they make decisions for themselves, for their family, for their, you know, for themselves as a player, maybe as a person like like Kevin Durant did, maybe as, you know, a basketball player, but they make these decisions and then 
fans and people attack them for not being loyal to their team. But then a lot of the time we're seeing these athletes being shipped out, being traded after doing so much for these franchises. We've seen, we see, we saw Isaiah Thomas this year, <laughs> this summer, get sent out and get traded after what he did for them in the playoffs, after coming back, after being the best player that they've had since, you know, since that 2008 finals team that they had. And maybe even before that, I mean, maybe, maybe even the best player, I mean, he had an incredible season. He had better numbers than I, than Allen Iverson had his MVP year in 2001. I mean, just crazy numbers that he was putting up. Some of the best numbers in Celtics history. I mean, that's how good Isaiah Thomas was. A lot of times we forget about it because we, you know, can't look past the fact that he's five foot nothing and that, you know, he doesn't play any defense. And that's the, like the one thing that everybody brings up, but the guy is a baller and he went out his, you know, his sister was killed in that car accident. He comes back, he plays, he's hurt. He plays, you know, all these things happen to him. He's continued to play for the Celtics team. And Bill Simmons said it a lot last year on his, on his podcast that, you know, Isaiah Thomas jerseys and Isaiah Thomas like shirt jerseys, jerseys took over Boston. Just all the little kids had all these Isaiah Thomas shirts because they could they could that he represented them and he represented a different kind of you know a different kind of fan. And so all of that that he did for this, like drumming up the energy, drumming up you know all this fan support, and they ship him out. They just they just completely send him out, and they probably had good reason to for basketball reasons. If you take a look at it in simply just looking at it as a you know a business or a chess game or you know these are all just pieces or you look at it just simply through the trade machine like if these people aren't actual people with souls and things then the trade made sense for them the trade made sense to send Isaiah Thomas to Cleveland because he was making 6 million dollars this year and it was a bargain what a bargain deal we talked about a lot how Seth Curry's deal was probably the best in the NBA uh how about so Seth Seth Curry made three million dollars last year. How about Isaiah Thomas making All NBA team making six million dollars? How about that for a, for a steal of a contract? So Isaiah Thomas gets shipped out for Kyrie Irving. It makes total sense, but it's not being loyal. It's not sticking with the guys that have been there for you. And the Celtics took a risk when they when they brought in Isaiah Thomas. He he was the sixtieth pick. He was, you know, playing fairly pretty well for the the Kings. Then the Kings dumped him to to the Suns. They traded him, and then the Suns tried that weird thing where they had Dragic, they had, you know, they had Isaiah Thomas, another, you know, a couple like a couple other guards. And you're just like, what are they doing with this fit? I'm not really sure what's going on there. They had they had Eric Bledsoe as well, and so they're just trying to figure out what they're doing. Nothing was, it wasn't really working, and so Isaiah Thomas's stock fell. Wasn't sure that he had a place in the league, and then the Celtics took a took a chance on him because they believed in him. They really believed in him. They they really thought that he was going to be the next guy. I remember hearing all these interviews about how no Isaiah Thomas is a guy that we looked at that said he has some upside that not a lot of players have, and he max they maximized it. They maximized him as an NBA player, scoring almost thirty points a game. I, I can't imagine him getting any better than he was last year, and. They did that. They they helped him get to that level, and then they took him and they traded him. And you want to talk about loyalty? I mean, I understand for basketball reasons, David Stern's basketball reasons, why they did this trade. But as a fan, as a person, it is just tough, especially for Kyrie Irving, who is a guy that 
you know, you you play against in the playoffs. You're supposed to be rivals with this team. You're trying to you're know, trying to take out this team. You're trying to go at this team, but but no, you trade for the guy. So the quote about loyalty and the NBA not being loyal anymore. There's there's something to be said about that. Now there are some stars that we're seeing now, and there's this new crop of star of young stars that are in markets like Milwaukee, and markets like you know the the New York Knicks, and markets like uh, Minnesota, markets like Phoenix. We're we're gonna see this new generation. Philadelphia uh, is is definitely a bigger market and definitely a bigger fan base than those other cities. But still, we're seeing these guys come up through through these other markets, and we'll see if they are going to you know have the loyalty that a Dirk had or that, you know, that we're talking about with these kind of guys. Maybe this new generation of players will have that. And maybe it'll swing the other way. Because a lot of times these things, they swing one way or the other. You have guys that are, not, you know, that are moving all the time and then all of a sudden you swing back and you have guys like KG that were with their team forever. And, you know, you have uh, Tim Duncan and Dirk, obviously, and Kobe. I mean, those three guys were with their teams for forever, just forever. Udonis Haslam, the <laughs> guy that's been to this team almost 15 years, I think. So there is still loyalty in the NBA. It's not completely gone. But I do agree with Dirk that there's not as much and that it's different. The part about it's it's about making money and winning. Like I just don't know where he was going with that because I feel like that's always what it's been about. I'm not sure that there's any player in the NBA that would say at any point that it's not about making money and it's not about winning. You know, like I feel like wouldn't you want it to be about winning? I feel like he was sort of being like he was complaining about that part. He's like the the new NBA is different. It's about making money and winning. It's like, wait, what? What do you mean? It was I thought it was like that, like that, like that, and about that the entire time. So, thought that was interesting from Dirk. Uh, tweet me and let you know. Let me know what you think about that quote. If you think the NBA isn't loyal anymore, at Nick Van Exit uh, or at Isaac Harris NBA, I'm sure he'll respond to you as well. Uh, and I also thought that it was interesting that that Dirk said that. Uh, that Mark Cuban was a huge reason for him staying. Mark Cuban has been incredible to this franchise. And if there's any haters out there, and I've not seen many in my time covering the Mavericks, I've not seen many haters of Mark Cuban. And I really appreciate that. That is a fan base that, you know, it showed me that this fan base is is intelligent, (laughs) that they, that they can see that he has been a good and almost a great owner for this team. So moving on from that, a player that somehow embodies all of those things, all of those characteristics that Dirk said, making money, winning, loyalty, all those things somehow, he embodies all of them. He is a contradiction himself, Kobe Bryant. He is the Black Mamba. He is you know, a player that has seen the highest of highs and seen some pretty low lows in his you know his court case in Denver and seeing you know the, these bad teams with Chris Mim and Smush Parker starting. I mean... There, Dirk has had some some bad teammates and has you know, started with some bad players, but Dirk has never started with Chris Mim and Smush Parker as his point guard and his center, or Kwame Brown. Like Kwame Brown was was better than those two other guys, but man, there are some years there where Kobe's had some bad players next to him. And yes, Kobe did ask for a trade. He did want to go to the Clippers. He did want to leave. So loyalty, not as much as Dirk for sure, but he still was with his team for twenty years. So. There is definitely something to be said about that, and there's a reason why not many players have ever done that. So this actually, this idea was actually sent to me from uh, in denial since 2006 on the uh, on Mavs Moneyball. It was sent, I think, I'm not sh- exactly sure when it was sent. It was sent. On, it was commented on one of my articles. It just said, "Hey, please make fake Kobe challenge for each Mavs player in this current roster." 
and I'm doing it. Let's go for it. Kobe Bryant, the Mamba. Let's go into the Muse cage right now and uh, and do this. So if you don't know what a, what a Kobe challenge is, Kobe has been issuing these challenges to a lot of random players, athletes, you know, famous people, different people all over. Him to rekindle a lost friendship from your youth in Compton. This was the most random of the Kobe challenges. I'm not really sure. It was the one that wasn't necessarily like something that was obtainable, like a stat or like an award or something like that. I'm not really sure where he's going with that. I'm sure that there's something that he and him have talked about. It's like an inside thing. Kobe also sent one to Kendrick Lamar. He said, I challenge your record label to revolutionize the music program at Centennial High School. Now, this is not the Centennial High School in Frisco, Texas. This is not that one. Uh, this is one in Compton as well. So going after Compton there with both of those guys. He sent one to Allison Felix, who is a six-time gold medalist, uh, sprinter from Beijing, London, Rio, uh, you know, crazy good athlete. He said, I challenge you to coach the sprinters for the upcoming Special Olympics, which is a great challenge. What a great challenge for him. Uh, he challenged Richard Sherman. He said, I challenge you to break the Seahawks single season interception record. Uh, I'm not really sure what it is, but Richard Sherman might not be up for that this year. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Uh, I think his interception days are a little past him. Isaiah Thomas, he challenged him as well and said, I challenge you to make first team all NBA. All right. I just spent the first part of this, this podcast talking about how good Isaiah Thomas was last year. Um, he was as good as he can be, and he did not even make second team, I don't think. He, he may have made second team. I can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, first team is impossible. <laughs> good Lord. You'd have to beat Westbrook, Harden, Curry, Chris Paul. Now, Chris Paul and Harden being on the same team, we don't, we don't really know how that affects you know, all NBA voting because that's, that's, that's uh, media people that vote on that. So not sure about that. Then he also challenged Giannis Antetokounmpo to be the MVP of the league. So as you can see, some of these challenges are like, like the DeMar DeRozan one. They're not necessarily on the basketball court on the, on the, their field of choice. Some of them like Richard Sherman is, you know, break a certain record, Isaiah Thomas and Giannis that it, it's like, it's go and, and win an award or something for, uh, for Allison Felix, it's do something else that you, you've never done before. So I'm going to do it for the Mavericks, and I'm going to do it some some obtainable things, uh, and they're all going to be on the basketball court. We're not going to really look at guys off the court necessarily. Um, some of it is off the court, but, but most of this is just on the court. So let's go. Every Maverick that's signed right now, let's go through the entire training camp roster uh, because those guys are Mavericks right now. Whether, whether they're going to be on the team or not, they are Mavericks. Okay, Kevin, for the grand prize of $1 million, what color is the White House? Um, I know this, I know this, I know this, um... Five seconds. Oh, switching to GEICO could save you a bunch of money on car insurance? Okay. Judges? That's true, Kevin. They'll allow it. Congratulations. You're a winner. Woo! GEICO, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. The first one, Josh McRoberts. The Mavs Moneyball crew has been making a lot of jokes about Josh McRoberts. Um, and so <laughs> the only challenge I can think for Josh McRoberts, keep getting them checks, man. Just, just keep getting them checks because, man, this guy, I looked at the games played for Josh McRoberts last year and the year before and the year before and years before, 
it is fascinating. And a, a certain number of years back, you're not really sure if at some point without researching and going back and seeing if it is just games, like he just he wasn't able to play the games because he wasn't good or because he was injured. But this is the last couple years him playing and how many games that he played. He played 22 games last year, 42 games the year before that, 17 the year before that, 78 the year before that. That was his best season. He was in Charlotte. Uh, that was a really, really good spot for him. He averaged eight points, four assists, almost five rebounds. Uh, just really, really good spot for him. It was his, probably his best season. Shot 36% from three, attempting almost four. So that was a good season for him. Uh, 70, 67 the year before that, 50 the year before that, 72. So he's, he's never played 80 games. Uh, he's, you know, the last three years, he hasn't played more than 42 games. He played 22 the year before. I mean, it's just been, been tough for Josh McRoberts to stay on the floor. He's making $6 million next year. Keep getting them checks. And then I think Kobe would tell him to just, at some point, I don't, I don't know if Kobe would know what to tell Josh McRoberts. They were teammates in 2012 when he played on the Lakers. He would probably just say, tell coach K I said, hi, (laughs) at at, at some point you'd probably just say that. Uh, media day is coming up. I think it's in eight days. As you guys are listening to this, I have no idea what I'm going to ask Josh McRoberts. I have no idea if I'm going to talk to Josh McRoberts. I will probably walk into Josh McRoberts at some point. I have no idea what to say to him. I'll probably ask him some Lakers question, but outside of that, it's, it's going to be difficult because the only reason he's on this team is because he was a contract. And, uh, I know I, I always talk about hate putting dollar signs over a guy's head, but because of the deal he was in, it was kind of like a monopoly deal. So just trying to get, you know, one thing for another and trying to make some room on the cap sheet, get some more money on the books there. All right, the next group. I put these next guys in a group because I think they all have the same goal. Malik Waynes, Jan Clavel, PJ Dozier, Brandon Ashley, Maxi Kleber, to an extent... Their goal should all be, and their Kobe challenge should all be, make the team. Make the Dallas Mavericks. Make the Mavericks. Make another team. Go on and and make a team at some point. Malik Wayans, I think this is almost impossible for him. He's 28 years old. I'm really not sure. You know, I I don't think the Mavericks are going to try another Jonathan Gibson type thing. I don't even think he's as good as Jonathan Gibson was last year, if you guys remember him. He was a 28-year-old guard from that played in China that averaged 40 points. I don't think that they're going to go for for a guy like that. Jean Clavel and PJ Dozier, uh, Isaac and I have talked about this these two guys uh, several times. We've even talked to Edgar Vargas, who is the uh, communications director from the Puerto Rican from the Puerto Rican team uh, that that Jean played for. So you can go back and listen to that podcast. That was a uh, two months ago or so, maybe a month ago. But both of these guys, I think they have a, a fairly good shot. I think PJ Dozier actually does have a better shot than Jean Clavel. The more people I talk to. But uh, but we'll see. John Clavel is a three and D kind of guy. PJ Dozier is a sort of a point forward type. He's like six eight. He can handle the ball really well. Um, he doesn't really shoot that well though. So they're they're sort of opposites. PJ Dozier fairly good on defense because he's long. Brandon Ashley we know from the summer league and from a couple of years before some a training camp. I think not la- definitely not last year, but the year before he was on the training camp roster. And then Maxi Kleber, the guy from from Würzburg, Germany. We've talked about him. Uh, those guys should all just try to make the team. I don't know if one of those guys. I, I wouldn't say that their Kobe challenge should be to make the two man, the two way contract. Uh, maybe that's for for John and, and PJ to make the two way contract. But for definitely for for Ashley and Kleber, make the team. That should be their goal. For Jonathan Motley, the guy that is already signed to the two way roster, his Kobe challenge should be make the Mavs sign you to a standard contract. 
Now, he's on the two-way contract, and if you guys have just started listening to Locked on Mavs, the two-way contract is a contract where you spend some of your some of your time in the NBA on the team and then most of your time in the D-League with the, the or the G-League. Man, I'm going to do that so many times this year. Now it is called the G-League, so they will spend time with the Texas Legends, and uh, they're allowed to spend 45 days up in the NBA during the NBA season, uh, but before the G League season starts, they're allowed to spend as much time as they can with the NBA squad. Uh, this is a contract that is not uh, included in the 16-man, 15-man roster. There's two extra spots. There's 17 and 18 spot. 16 and 17 spot, I'm sorry. Um, 16 and 17 spot on the roster, so they're added to that. So there's some extra guys that are going to be in the locker room this year every once in a while. And so Jonathan Motley should try to exceed that 45 days that he's allowed to be up on the team and make the Mavericks sign him to a standard contract. Be good enough and show them enough that they want to actually sign you to the regular roster. Now, some of this Kobe challenge is going to be injuries. Is some are you know are some of these guys going to have to you know be injured for him to be able to make that? Probably. I mean, some guys that I'm going to talk about next. These next three guys. One or two of them would have to be injured for Jonathan Motley, but he could play good enough and better than these th- these three next guys that I'm going to talk about for them to sign him and to, you know, for him to show that he's actually worth it. All right, these next three guys that I just mentioned: Salah Mejri, Jeff Withy, Dwight Powell. Oh boy, if Isaac's listening to this right now, get ready. I'm about to talk about Dwight Powell. Salah Mejri. His Kobe challenge should be lead the league in rim protection. Now, what I mean by rim protection is that's just sort of a thing that people say, right? Well, rim, rim protection to me is the field goal percentage you allow within six feet. So you're around the basket. You're about six feet within the basket. And what is your field goal percentage do you allow there? The three best in the league, Joel Embiid, 44%. Now, we only saw that 30, 33 games or so. Draymond Green, 48%. Rudy Gobert, 49%. Salah Mejri last year, 54%. He's only 5% worse than Rudy Gobert, only 6% worse than Draymond Green, and 10% worse than Joel Embiid. Now, we don't know. I'm very high on Joel Embiid, obviously, but we don't know if Joel Embiid's stats are sustainable. He only had to play 30, you know, 30, 30 games last year. We're not sure if that's sustainable, but I think Salah Mejri can do that um, in his limited sample size. Jeff Withy, his challenge should be play 82 games. Uh, He played his first two years with the Pelicans. He played 58 and 37 games. Last two years with Utah, 51 and 51 games. Just play 82 games. Make it it so that this club has to put you out there every single day. You are the first center off the bench. Uh, the first traditional center off the bench that they're going to play. Maybe it's just five minutes a night. Maybe it's just, maybe it's ten minutes a night. But make them make Carlisle see that man. This is a guy that can set really good screens. That can get some boards, block some shots, defend the rim. That it's worth it for us to put out there eighty-two games. All right, I gotta move. I gotta move faster on this. Here it is, Isaac. This is for you, Dwight Powell. His Kobe challenge at some point during the season, whether it's before a game, whether it's at practice at training camp, something. Find a way to dunk on Isaac Harris. Find a way. There, there's going to be a chance. I will work with you with this. I will have a conversation with him on the court under the basket so that you can dunk on him. There will be a way for you to jam on Isaac Harris. And I think that it would be totally worth it. And if we can get it on video, I will pin it to my Twitter page forever. I will never take it off. I will leave it there forever. But a real Kobe challenge for him 
I have, I have two. I have one that's not obtainable that we talked about with Josh Lloyd on his Locked On Fantasy podcast, and I have another one that I think is obtainable. So the obtainable one for me, I think, is make 53s. Last year he made 21. He made 33 in his four years of college. So he, he's gone up a lot since then, incrementally since then. His shot is there. I've seen it. I've talked about it so much. Isaac makes fun of me for how much you talk about it, but he is a good shooter in practice. He's It's got to translate, and I think it's a mental thing. If he can get over this mental block, I think he can make you know 30 more threes this year. I don't think that that's that many to ask for. So make 53s, Dwight Powell's. Kobe challenge his unobtainable one that Josh Lloyd and I talked about on his podcast average one steal one block and one three I think he could do this he he almost already does this through um, 36 minutes or, or per 36 minutes he averages a block and a steal th- through that and then almost a three there so but if he gets the 53 so he'll do that as well there's only 12 players in the league last year that did this so I kind of just wanted to talk about this stat because uh, he brought it up Carl Anthony Towns Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, Marcus All, Boogie Cousins, Joel Embiid, Kristaps Porzingis, Al Horford, Serge Ibaka, James Johnson, Brooke Lopez, and Robert Covington. The only players last year to average one steal, one block, and one three. I'm not sure that Dwight Powell could actually do this. If he did, though, it'd be incredible, and I would let him dunk on me. The next two players, the two vets, J.J. Barea, Devin Harris. Their Kobe challenge is kind of off the court. This is the one that I kind of put not really on the court, is help Seth Curry, Yogi, and Dennis reach their goals. Help all three of them. If all three of them reach their goals, then J.J. Barea and Devin Harris have reached theirs. That's exactly how it should be. Dorian Finney-Smith, his Kobe goal should be, his Kobe challenge, shoot 33% from quarter threes. The corner three is the closest to the basket. It's the the most attainable. It's the most wide open. Last year, he shot 41% of his threes from the corner. I mean, that's a huge that's a huge part of his threes is from the corner and he only shot 26% last season from there uh, from the corners. He shot 29% overall. So just bring that up. Bring it up to 33%. These are what some of the best 3 and D players in the league shoot from 3. Andre Iguodala shoots between 37 and 43% every year. Nick Batum shoots 33 and 37%. Trevor Reza shoots between 38 and 47%. That's crazy number 47. Uh, PJ Tucker shoots between 46 and or 36 and 45. Jay Crowder, when he was in, when he was with the Dallas Mavericks, he shot 50% from corner threes in in Dallas. <laughs> That's an insane number. In uh, his first year in Boston, he shot 32% from corner three, and then he shot 48% from the corner. Last year in Boston. And that's why I think that this this goal is definitely obtainable for Dorian Finney-Smith. I mean, 33 35% from, from the corner should be obtainable from him, even with the bad shooting numbers we saw from him in Summer League. But if Jay Crowder can jump from 32 to 48%, I definitely think that Dorian Finney-Smith can jump up from 26 to 33 All right, Yogi Ferrell. His Kobe challenge. I have two for him as well. I have one that that made me cringe when I thought of it, but I thought that's a good challenge. That is a a Kobe challenge if there ever was one. So I have two for him. The cringy one that you guys are not going to like, and then the one I think that is going to be awesome. The first one, take back the starting point guard's job. Now, I I know people are going to say, well, but but Dennis Smith Jr. is is the future. Okay. But you're still a player that played, you know, the, the second year player. You're Yogi Ferrell. 
Yeah, you came on strong last year. As a player, if you're Yogi Ferrell, wouldn't that be your goal? This rookie comes in out of nowhere, and he's going to start from day one. He hasn't even hit the floor yet. Now, that is how you came in. (laughs) That is how you came into the Dallas Mavericks. You came in from day one, and you started. But that's your starting spot. Wouldn't you want to take that back? Wouldn't you want to prove that you're better or that you are you know, better suited to, to start on this team? Take it back. That would be a Kobe challenge of all Kobe challenges. That is the Mamba mentality of all, to take back what, is, what, was, what was yours. The other Kobe challenge that is, is less you know, cutthroaty and more fun, make 10 threes in a game. Last year, he made nine against Portland. And that was a crazy game. That was insane. It would take some, definitely some minutes and some volume for him to be able to do this. But make 10 threes in a game. Go off. And this is almost a challenge to Rick Carlisle. If you see that Yogi is getting hot one night, ride the hot hand. Just ride the hot hand. Let him be out there. Let him play. Let him make 10 threes in a game. All right, moving on to Nerland's Noel. Two Kobe challenges for him as well. The first one is obvious. Earn that max contract. Get them checks. Don't keep getting them checks. Get them checks. Earn the max contract. I'm not sure how he's going to do it, uh, especially with the market. But I think you know that would definitely be a Kobe challenge for him. Then the other Kobe challenge for him that I think is obtainable, that is something that he, you know, we could actually look at this season. Average four stocks. Stocks are what a lot of people are calling blocks and steals combined. Um, there's only been a couple players in the, in the history of the NBA to do this. Um, some of them multiple, multiple times. Uh, Hakeem Olajuwon did this a lot, <laughs> just a lot. Um, averaging, so the players that have averaged, so th- you can do this, any combination of this. You can average two blocks and two steals. You can average three steals and one block, one steal, three blocks. Uh, David Robinson, so the, the players that have done two blocks and two steals, which I think Nerlens Noel could do. David Robinson, Hakeem Olajuwon, Gerald Wallace. That's it. Hakeem did it four times. Gerald Wallace is the most random player on this list. It's It's crazy how random he is. But he did it when he was playing back with the Charlotte Bobcats. Players that have averaged three steals and one block, just one. Michael Jordan, <laughs> the only one. I don't think Nerlens Noel could do that. I'm not sure he's going to be in passing lanes that much. But that is he's the only player to do that. That's why he's the GOAT. Average one steal and three blocks. Bunch of players have done this. Hakeem Olajuwon did it nine times. David Robinson did it seven. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did it four. Marcus Camby did it four. Ben Wallace did it three times. Bill Walton. The man, two times he's done this. Andre Karolenko did it two times. Elmore Smith, Bob McAdoo, Bob Lanier, and Patrick Ewing got two Bobs on there that have done that, averaging one steal and three blocks. I think Nerlens could definitely do this. He uh, was really close in Philadelphia a couple times last year. I mentioned a couple times for the Mavericks, he averaged, uh, with just playing 22 minutes, he averaged one steal, one block. You bump up his minutes, 10, 10 minutes, I think he could get that one more steal and one more block for sure. Moving on to Seth Curry, his Kobe challenge, join Dirk in the 50-40-90 club. This is a, an awesome club that I love. It's just so efficient. It is it's shooting 50% from the floor, 40% from three, and 90% from the free throw line. There's a couple other stipulations from this as well um, that, that Wikipedia line, lines up. Uh, I should have looked where they got this from, but this is what they, they attribute it to be. You also have to make 300 field goals, make 82 threes, and 125 free throws. Now, that's where that's where Curry is going to struggle with, with making the, the volume of those shots. But we'll see this year. I mean, his, his, his usage might go down. His field goal attempts might go down. But we still might see him hit those numbers. So these are the players, you know, besides Dirk, to be in the 50-40-90 club. 
Larry Bird did it twice. Mark Price, Cleveland Cavalier. Reggie Miller. Steve Nash did it four times and was close three more times. He was crazy. Dirk did it once, and he missed it by less than 1% in both 2010 and 2013. So he got really close twice and made it once. Durant has also done this, and Curry did it his his first MVP season. So last year, Seth Curry shot 48.1% from the field, 42.5% from three, and 85% from, from the free throw line. This is totally possible. This is totally possible for him uh, to, to do that. He's just got to up his his you know field goal percentage, 1.9 points, keep his three-point percentage where it is, and even he, it could even dip two and a half points, and then bring up his, his free throw percentage five points. That's all he's got to do is just improve on the free throw line and uh, be more efficient from the, from the field. As far as volume goes, making 300 field goals last year, he made 338. Done. Ding. Make 82 threes. Last year, he made 137 threes. Free throws. This says you need to make 125 free throws. Free throws. Last year, he made 85. So that's what he's going to have to work on. That, he's going to have to make more free throws and make them more often. So if he, if he brings up his average, it could end up being that he ends up getting the 125. All right. Moving on to Wes Matthews. I'm going to be simple on this. We've talked about Wes a lot recently. Lead the league in three-point percentage. I'm just going to leave it at that. That would be a Kobe challenge for him. Sometimes these are impossible. (laughs) And speaking of impossible, Harrison Barnes. The Kobe challenge for Harrison Barnes would be, and this may have actually happened that I missed or somewhere, but Kobe would challenge him to be an (laughs) all-star. I kind of laugh at myself, but... That would be a Kobe challenge. That would be a Kobe challenge to Harrison Barnes. In the Western Conference, it's almost going to be impossible. You have Jimmy Butler now. You have Paul George now. You have Durant still. You have Draymond still. You have Anthony Davis still. You, I mean, the list just keeps going <laughs> of, of players, of forwards in the in the West. But, you know, it it's still there for the taking. And uh, there's some things he could do to do that. Uh, it would be very difficult. <laughs> uh, other players would have to get injured. But that would be a Kobe challenge. Moving on to Dennis Smith Jr. I feel like a Kobe challenge for him, winning Rookie of the Year is is too much low-hanging fruit. I feel like that's just something everybody's going to say. And so I'm going to make this a little ethereal. I'm going to make this a little bit not necessarily concrete and something that he can do. And that's never back down from an all-star. There are so many all-stars at the point guard position. As we laid out in our rankings that we did last week where we ranked the point guards. Go back and listen to that podcast. Isaac and I talk about all the point guards, starting point guards in the NBA. The Kobe challenge to Dennis Smith Jr. is never back down from an all-star. So when you're playing and looking across from you is Chris Paul, looking across from you is, is Russell Westbrook, is John Wall, is Mike Conley, is Goran Dragic, is, you know, Eric Bledsoe. It's like all these really good point guards. Never back down. Go for it. They might make you look silly. They might spin you around, put you in a spin cycle, but don't be timid because of that. Just stand up to them. Swipe at some of their some of their you know crossovers. Sometimes, sometimes you'll get it. Sometimes you'll not. You know, if Kyrie Irving comes at you, play defense. Try to get you know a charge. Do something. Never back down from them. Don't play timid. Play your game, especially you know against some of these guys that are going to go at you because they know you're a rookie and they know that there's a lot you know riding on you and there's a lot of stuff that you know <laughs> there's there's a lot that uh, that people are asking of you. And they're saying, oh, Dennis Smith Jr. is so good, so good. And they're forgetting about some other guys. So never back down. And finally, the man, the myth, the legend. We've heard from him already on this podcast. Dirk Nowitzki, 
The Kobe challenge for him would be, I challenge you to pass Wilt Chamberlain on the all-time scoring list next season. Dirk needs 1,159 points to pass Wilt. Uh, or 1,160, 1, I'm sorry, to pass him, he would have to do that. The only times he has not scored this many points in a season is three times his entire, his entire career. He's about to play in his 20th season. And he has only not hit 1,159 points three times. That is incredible. What a career this guy has had. His rookie year, he only played 47 games. He didn't make it. In 2012 and 13, he only played 53 games and didn't make that mark. And then last season, he only played 54 games and didn't make that mark. So if he plays more than 54 games, I think he can hit it. I think he can get he can hit it, and I hope it's at the last game of the season. I hope they play Dirk. I hope he hits it. I hope we all go crazy in the AAC. Actually, is the last game of the season in the AAC? I'll have to check on that. But I hope that it is one of those games that we look at and just say, man, that was one of the great nights of this season, capping off an incredible year where all these guys hit their – all these guys hit their uh, – the last game of the season is – April 10th, and it is a home game against the Suns. So the Suns could be tanking. They could be terrible. Dirk could come out there. They don't have anybody that can really guard Dirk anyway. So they can you know, come out there, and, uh, and he could hit it, and that would be incredible, and we would love that. That is the Kobe Challenge for every single player. I will write them out and put them on Mavs Moneyball. Guys, thanks so much for joining me solo here on the Locked On Mavericks podcast. Tweet me at Nick Van Exit. Tweet Isaac Harris at Isaac Harris NBA. Continue to subscribe. Let me know what you think about our Locked On Mavs Kobe Challenge rankings. If you disagree with some of them, I guess you could disagree, but they are challenges. Uh, tell me if you have some challenges for us. Give me an Isaac a Kobe Challenge. How about that? Tweet us with a Kobe Challenge. If you have a Kobe Challenge for me or Isaac, uh, and shout out to In Denial since 2006 on SB Nation for giving us this idea. We will take your ideas. If you guys have questions or ideas, send them to us on Twitter on our different websites uh send it to us i had a guy send me a one on facebook today so uh, we will take them we will take them into consideration guys thanks so much for joining us peace out boom ace is the place with the helpful hardware folks it's ace's biggest led light bulb sale of the year right now buy one get one free on our best-selling led light bulbs our four-pack of led bulbs is 9.99 and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.